island does up in the U.S. Also called the shenanigans podcast. Always play that reggae too. In case you didn't know, hey, this is how we do. Boo. Thank you for tuning in to the Shenanigans Podcast, the podcast that does not podcast with any sort of consistency whatsoever, and that is entirely my fault, and I am so sorry. I really, really am. Um, This year has been a pretty wild ride, I mean, at least for me, and we're just a little bit over halfway through it. The socio-political climate in the United States and throughout Pacifica is pretty much a mess. The climate climate, as always, is a mess. Um, You know, we've got members of the Pacifica fam just showing their asses all over social media. I mean, granted, I spend a lot more time on Twitter than anywhere else, but social media. Um, I've seen everything from people arguing for their right to say the N-word to people justifying and rationalizing bigotry Um, people, male, female, and everything in between, upholding and perpetuating, victim-blaming, slut-shaming, and rape culture. And you know we talk about that a lot here, so we're going to get into that some more as well. Um, And then I know that more than a few people, at least in my social media sphere, have watched with utter shock and horror as some of our elders have really put themselves out there, uh, especially on Facebook and made some of the most out-of-pocket statements, declarations, um, and all while insisting that millennials, which would be my generation on down, have no respect, have no cultural pride, have no cultural knowledge. And so for me personally, I I don't want to say that I've really been dipping out on social media. I'm still there. I'm still posting, especially art posts. But in terms of like podcasting and just really being there, infographics, doing the things that I've been doing over the years. Um, I've definitely been less frequent, less consistent about it. And we'll get more into that uh, with the mental health check-in at the end. But in this episode, I'm going to cover a fairly wide range of topics and not necessarily in depth, but just to address them at least briefly. Because I haven't been on top of my my podcasting game. I really haven't. And I mean, again, that's that's on me um, just between work and projects. And we'll get into this yeah, in mental health check in. But I haven't been on top of it. So for those of you tuning in, thank you so much for listening to this. Yes, terribly overdue episode of the shenanigans podcast. I really am trying y'all, but Podcasting requires a lot of work, and sometimes I just haven't been able to get myself to that point. So, again, thank you for tuning in, and let's get to it. So first, a quick update on hashtag being Micronesian, because it seems like a lot of the newer listeners found me through that 
particular aspect of my activism. Um, the Twitter thread still gets updates because it's still an issue. And it's honestly, it's not going to be a non-issue anytime soon. And I, I accept that. Um, what I don't accept is a lot of the sheer ignorance about the greater Micronesian community. And I mean that not just from outside, but also even within our community. And yes, that means I am verbally side-eyeing all the self-hating your internal colonization is showing Islanders when I say this. Um, so knowing that I can't stop it and that, I mean, honestly, my purpose isn't really to change people's minds. My focus is just to kind of keep awareness there, um, do my part to educate folks on our history, again, outside our community and within it, um, continue and just continue to be grateful for every person who does get it, who uses whatever resources they've had access to, because I'm not the only source for information about our community or history, um, to teach the next person. Knowledge is power, and please don't ever let anyone convince you otherwise, um, because the more we learn, the more we understand, the more we can sympathize and empathize and really get to the work of helping ourselves and each other. And I say that not just about hashtag being Micronesian, I say that about all the work we have ahead of us. And so um, right now I'm recording this, it is July 16th, 2019. And I can't talk about hashtag being Micronesian without acknowledging that my experiences stem from living here in Hawaii. And by itself, that's a complicated issue. But as I'm recording, there are Native Hawaiians and their supporters defending Mauna Kea against desecration. And I feel like I'm really not the right person to go in on that topic and discuss it. Um, but I'm going to assume if you're listening to my podcast, there's a really good chance you're adept at using social media. So that said, um, I encourage you to follow the hashtags, um, hashtag we are Mauna Kea, hashtag protect Mauna Kea, hashtag TMT shutdown. And a really important one, especially if you're on Twitter, hashtag Hawaiian scientist. There are amazing people doing amazing things right now. They're doing it for the culture, for the ancestors, for the future. And the biggest thing I would at least like you to know if you're going to read up on this, if you haven't already, is to understand that this isn't a fight about Native Hawaiians versus science. And there are people out there who really think it is or want you to think it is. And I think it's important to recognize that for Indigenous people the world over, our ancestors lived science. Our ancestors were the scientists. Our foremothers and forefathers possessed knowledge of the natural world that Western science is only now starting to recognize. And not to be petty, okay, wait. I'm being a little petty, but I mean, our ancestors were doing things like navigating with the stars and, and observing and understanding and and documenting in their own ways through oral history, the life cycles of animals. Everything from that to, to the importance of basic things that, let's face it, some modern Westerners today still can't comprehend. Things like the importance of basic sanitation and hygiene, things like bathing, things like scrubbing your body, things like washing your damned legs with soap. But, <laughs> Um, not to get sidetracked here, but the point is, yes, 
Hashtag being my Phoenician still exists. It gets updated. It's I'm keeping my eyes peeled for screenshots and opportunities to to teach and and have those moments where it can be a learning moment for everyone involved. And while doing so, I'm also doing whatever it is I can to support the indigenous people of the land where I reside because that's the right thing to do. So I am sending my undying love and respect and the spiritual fortitude of my ancestors to our Kanaka Maoli family, holding it down for truth and honor and self-determination. It's beautiful what they're doing, but it's a travesty that they're having to do it. Alright, so since I did mention social media, I think it might be time for a bit of a Pacifica call. Um, about a few different topics, but for this segment, let's start with this one that's been in my TL the most as of late. Question. When is it okay for non-black Pacificans to use the N-word? I'll give you a moment. Time's up, and if your answer was anything outside of the realm of it is never okay for non-Black Pacificans to use the N-word, and that's with a hard R or otherwise, then you are incorrect, and this is your opportunity to better yourself by committing to removing that word from your vocabulary. But you grew up using it, you say. Your friends don't mind you saying it. It's just a word. No, incorrect, wrong, do not pass go, stop, stop now, seek help if you must. This segment is short because I didn't put it out there for debate. I'm not including it in the hopes of getting a conversation going about reasons why non-Black Pacificans should get to say it if you use it and it's in my feed, consider yourself unfollowed if not blocked altogether. And that's all I have to say about that. Content warning. The following segment contains discussions about violence, sexual assault, and sexual harassment. Since I'm still on discussing social media, I want to talk about a hashtag I saw when I woke up this morning. Now, every morning I check Twitter for breaking news. You know, everyone gets their news from different sources. I like Twitter. And I was looking at the trending hashtags and saw hashtag R.I.P. Bianca. Now, before I go any further, I do need to advise you to use caution if you're going to look up this hashtag, because while there are heaps of amazing people who are trying to help clean the feeds, you could potentially come across 
very disturbing, very graphic images of a murdered girl. I nearly did and it has stuck with me all day, not just for the obvious reasons. Um, a summary of the story behind the hashtag is something along the lines of a girl, and she was only 17, was being stalked by someone from online who got jealous and couldn't take no for an answer and he murdered her. Um, he then took selfies with her body and posted them online. And I've read conflicting stories that he decapitated her, but it doesn't matter if he did or not because he murdered her. He stalked her and he murdered her. And a lot of the news buzz includes the word orbiter in reference to him having stalked her. I'm just going to call it what it is. He stalked her. Um, now, a few things about this story have stuck with me all day into this evening. It's like late night now, but I saw a lot, like a lot of tweets and comments from people saying that if she had rejected him nicer and that's hard for me to process. A girl was murdered for rejecting a guy. And this isn't an isolated incident. This is a thing that happens fairly commonly. It's why women give out fake numbers, have fake boyfriends or husbands, have friends on standby who know where they're headed, how long it'll take them to get there, and a plan for what to do if they don't hear back in X amount of time. It's why we talk about toxic masculinity and incels and all those other air quotes, radically feminist things that I've seen way too many men and women and even non-binary folk take offense to the kinds of things that people respond to with, but not all men. And it's victim blaming. It's saying, however directly or indirectly, that this girl deserved to die because she wasn't nice to some dude. She's not required to be nice to some dude. She's especially not required to be nice to some dude who made advances that made her uncomfortable. If you've listened to some of my previous episodes, you already know I get pretty worked up about victim blaming because fuck that shit. If you're blaming the victim, then you're rationalizing and justifying the crime. And you're saying that someone deserved to be assaulted or killed. And again, fuck that shit. Another thing that really stuck in my mind was the sheer number of people who posted, supposedly I couldn't bring myself to look, or said they posted the images from this murder. Gore porn and revenge porn fall under the same category for me. That is a violation. And I get we can get caught up in shit. I get that a lot of people are desensitized to all kinds of horrific things, but seriously, a violation is a violation is a violation. And I don't have anything to say beyond that besides knock that shit off. Closely tied in with that is the issue of consent, which we talk about as well. And I know there's that old saying, like, if at first you don't succeed, try again. That doesn't apply to, like, picking up on people, courtship, if you will. Um... And I'm not just talking about this in, in reference to like this recent internet tragedy. I mean this like across the whole fucking board. Like when someone, and honestly gender identity does not matter in this instance, when someone 
responds to advances with anything besides a clear yes let's go let it go like don't assume that someone is playing hard to get that's gross and all this um stuck with me because the underlying problems are issues that i know have plagued too many people especially women but men and non-binary folks as well it's victim blaming and slut shaming and the perpetuation of rape culture and violating people's privacy and stripping people of their dignity for fucking clout and cheap laughs it's ignoring the fundamental importance of consent and i talk about these things a lot i know i mean it's ad nauseum but i talk about them because it comes up so fucking much and because they affect so many people and because it affects people who find themselves in positions where they can't speak up and i know far too fucking well what it's like to not be able to speak up and it took time and physical distance for me to understand that this is the story time segment of the podcast and this comes with a content warning for sexual harassment and attempted assault. These are true stories. These are my stories. These are stories I've never publicly shared. I used to work at a radio station. I worked there day in and day out, sometimes on the weekends. I handled everything from accounting to reading funeral announcements to recording talk shows and commercials, to scheduling playlists for when nobody was there. Um, <clears throat> there were two politically connected patrons who were friends of the station owner who would come in for various things, um, typically to record programs or campaign commercials, and both of them made me very uncomfortable. The first encounter, and we'll call this man Rick to keep me safe, started out um, awkward and then progressed to this is fucking unreal. Uh, he told me he knew my mom back in the day and made some weird remark about how I must be like her. And it was awkward, but I didn't know what to make of it, so I didn't give it much thought. Um, being that I managed a radio station, my cell phone number was basically a public number. Um, and it wasn't a big deal, at least I didn't think it was. But Rick had this weird habit of, and air quotes, accidentally calling me, but then those accidental calls would turn into a conversation. And, you know, in the, initially he would ask, um, what I thought of the island, how I was adjusting. It was very uncle-like things initially. And so I didn't really give it much thought aside from this man is absent-minded and doesn't know how to operate his phone. Um, over the months though, it got awkward. He invited me to dinner, but ones where it would just be the two of us. And so I would decline. Um, I didn't really know him. I wasn't related to him. He was and is um, a married man with a family and 
I, I was really uncomfortable with it. Um, especially being the newbie on the island and working in a position that kind of put me in a public setting, like in the public eye. Um, so it got to be campaign season and his calls just kind of started coming less and less. And I figured, you know, he's busy politicking, it's cool, whatever. Um, I thought I was safe, I guess. Um, until one day, and I was out uh, doing a field broadcast. It was the evening, and he called and said, I'm on a campaign stop by your apartment. Which unit are you in? I want to come visit. And initially, I was horrified that he knew where I lived, but looking back, it was a small island, so I guess everybody knows where everybody lives. But I think I was more uncomfortable with the thought that he thought it was okay for him to be popping up at my place. Um, in that instance, I was relieved that I wasn't home and I didn't have to try to hide or like, no, that's not my car in the parking lot. But I told my boss about it a little time, a little bit after, and, and he laughed it off. He said I should be happy that he finds me attractive. And that was the end of that conversation. Um, from then on, I refused to be alone with him when he'd come by the station, but I mean, that was assuming I'd have a heads up that he was coming by. I had a similar encounter with another politically connected man. Uh, we'll call him Bob for my own safety. And Bob came by a lot because he had campaign commercials and talk shows and was just good friends with the station owner. So he, I had already heard, he had a reputation for being on the smarmy side. And so I tried to kind of keep my distance as much as possible, even though I did still have to work with him. But because I was the only person working at the radio station, well, I was the only employee, um, I did have to deal with him a lot by myself. And for weeks, he'd make weird comments, like here and there, um, telling me that he worked out a lot. At one point, he was telling me that he was trying to get his glutes in shape because he didn't feel his age and didn't want to look it either. And, you know, that's, that's enough to make you cringe. But I had a job to do, so I tried to work through it. Um, and then he started bringing me little gifts like candy or sometimes whole lunches that I was generally afraid to eat. And then he started offering to um, make me dinner or take me out and him also a married man with a family and with a reputation. And he was also on the intimidating side and he was also good friends with my boss. And it put me in a weird situation because, you know, I was new and that was my new job. And yeah, so I approached my boss about Bob, which happened after I had already approached my boss about Rick. And again, he kind of brushed it off with a laugh, a chuckle. And he said, I should be proud and flattered that important men liked me except that I was neither of those things. Mostly, I felt gross, and 
It was about then when the self-hatred really started kicking in. Um, at that time, I was almost 30, and had I seen anyone else in that situation, I could have easily identified everything wrong and offered a suggestion on how to handle it. But being in that position myself, being the new girl on the island, being in a job that made everything I did very public, being in a place where I didn't have my familiar support system readily available, all I could do was keep working and hope it would stop and continuously wonder what I was doing wrong to attract all this unwanted attention. And because that's how I'd seen people or heard people around me talk about women who had complained about similar situations. And in a couple of cases, it was situations with the same men. Um, So while all this is happening, I was dealing with even more intense unwanted attention from my uncle's neighbor. Um, This was a guy who lived in the village. We knew people in common from the States. I thought he was a friend initially because He seemed to understand that I was kind of going through culture and climate shock. But why was I wrong? Um, I, I was being what I believed to be my usual level of friendliness, at least once I get over my initial fear of everybody. And I was genuinely happy and grateful to meet someone who understood that I was trying to adjust to my surroundings, but I wasn't always handling it well. Um, He, on the other hand, thought we had a thing, and there was no thing, and I had told him repeatedly that there was no thing, except he didn't accept it. And so every time I visited my uncle, he would literally pop up at our house, and it didn't matter who was there or how many of the cousins were there and he wasn't subtle i mean we'd all be sitting out like on like the front lanai and it's like half a dozen of my guy cousins older guy cousins and him and he sits in the corner with his shades but everybody knew where he was staring And it got progressively worse to the point where I would actually avoid visiting the village. Or if I wanted to go, I would call my cousins there to see if maybe he was elsewhere. Because everybody knew. And even on the rare occasions when they would tell him to leave me alone, he would leave. But he would go sit elsewhere with his shades and just keep watch. So... I spent less and less time visiting my uncle until my uncle, who's absolutely precious but prone to being a little oblivious, called to ask why I wasn't visiting him anymore, and so I told him why, and he scolded me for allowing some asshat to run me out of my own village to keep me from being in basically the only safe space I thought I had. And honestly, um, he was mostly right. Um, But, you know, it was still hard to deal with. And so I, I managed to keep visiting. 
I, I had a whole system in place with the cousins, with my uncle, so that I could come through. And also I'd heard that dude had a girlfriend. So, you know, there's someone else kind of taking up his attention. That means I'm safe. I thought. Then one day while working at the radio station, he showed up. And now I didn't normally lock the door of the radio station because I didn't think I had anything to worry about in that sense. Um, it's a radio station, it's broad daylight, it's a busy residential and commercial building, people walk by. But I don't think I ever left the door closed and unlocked after that. So a dude came into the station and he closed the door behind him and I thought he was messing around and I was annoyed and I, I went to try to open it because if the door was open, he wouldn't be as creepy. He would at least have the decency to respect whoever else might walk by. But instead, he pinned me to the door and that made it impossible for me to open it. And then he tried to assault me right there um, at work in a radio station in the middle of the day with business and commerce and people going on all around. And I'm guessing that him being drunk was probably what saved me because I guess it's hard to maintain your balance when you're that wasted. But somehow I got the door open and I managed to stand outside while telling him to leave. And it was because I told him I, not just that I would call the police, but specifically that I would call my older cousins who were police officers and that I would tell them exactly what he tried to do. And that was the only reason he left. And I never did report it. And looking back, I wish I had. But I also understand why I didn't. Because I was new. Because I was young. Because the times I tried telling my boss about Rick and Bob ended with him chuckling and me being told that I should be flattered. And I was in a place where people share stories about sexual harassment and sexual assault, but always demonize and blame the victims. And, sorry, um, it took years, actual years and physical distance for me to be able to look at that and not somehow find a way to blame myself. And that's with years of sexual assault response training and previous assaults under my belt. So imagine what that must be like now to try to contend with situations like that, with people who don't take no for an answer, with people not just telling you it's your fault, but people posting about how it's your fault with people taking photos and videos and sharing them without your consent, without your knowledge, and having more of them, or at least what feels like more of them, than there are people willing to hear you and help you. Imagine that.
to take a moment while I still have a little momentum from that last segment to just quickly bring something up. Um, this particular topic is a little more Palawan community specific, but before I go too much further, let me just make this disclaimer so as to avoid any cultural or financial repercussions. Now, for the vast majority of my life, I have put up with Palawans of all ages pointing out that I am a veritable ngalgarangabard, that akmasis amava, that I am not a real Palawan, or some variation thereof. So that said, whatever I say in my podcast that's recorded here in Hawaii should be of little consequence to anyone in Belau, really, whether or otherwise, because as it's been pointed out repeatedly, my opinion is invalid and does not matter in discussions pertaining to real Palauans. Therefore, any attempts to punish me for anything in this podcast will be inferred as a full unconditional acceptance of me as a full-blooded, all rights provided Palauan by said wielder of said punishments. Now, earlier this year, there was this like whole streak of little scandals and a lot of them dealt with Palauans and videos and social media. And let's face it, that was a whole hot ass mess. Um, but there are a few things that I wanted to just say about it, even though it's kind of after the fact. Um, first, I don't know how or if any of our leaders, whether political or cultural, intend to monitor and legislate what goes on behind closed doors between consenting adults, and I hope never to find out. Also, the private carnal proclivities of consenting adults, not my business. I wish all consenting adults nothing but harmless joy and satisfaction, so please take the necessary measures in protecting your private photos and videos. Be safe. And finally, I don't know Vanessa personally, but I do know that she didn't deserve what happened to her. We may never fully know or understand what another person is going through. However, public court records do provide enough insight for me to know that she deserved better. So I am sorry to Vanessa for what she went through at the hands of this community and at the hands of the person who did her harm. That whole little era of video scandals was ugly, and to be honest, I lost a lot of respect for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people really, really showed their asses. They did it while somehow still claiming some sort of superiority to the people who were victimized. And it was ugly, and those people deserved better.
Success. We've made it to the mental health check-in segment. And I think this is my first mental health check-in for 2019. And I'm sorry for that. Um, But yes, here is my personal check-in with all of you. 2018 was mostly trash. January and February, also not so great. And we're now halfway through July of 2019, and I'm still here. So that's a good sign. But it definitely did not come without some hard-learned lessons. Um, It's not a secret that a lot of my professional life is rooted in social media. I started building websites and blogging in the mid to late 90s. So yeah, Um, and my relationship with social media has had some pretty major ups and downs, wins and losses, and I used to take it all really personally. Um, Actually, no, sometimes depending on the situation, I still do take it personally, but that's me. I mean, I talk my shit and I lay out my data, but I am still just a squishy hearted idealist with an unrequited love for an island nation that only kind of tolerates me. Um, So that said, I'm not really on Facebook as much as I used to be. Um, It got to the point where I would open Facebook, see some toxic ass person spam posting their trash take for the day, and that would actually throw off my entire day. And There was a time where I used to feel obligated to reply and I would research all my shit and lay it out there. And this isn't to say that I don't do that anymore because that's kind of my thing, but I don't have the time, the energy, or the emotional fortitude to waste on people who choose ignorance, who choose bigotry, who choose asshattery and blatantly, despite all the data and evidence in the world proving that their talking points are nothing more than trash takes. And it's even worse when you see your own damn relatives showing their asses and standing bigotry and being victim-blaming rape apologists. And so I started logging in less and less. And I mean, I don't necessarily check when I have notifications, but I try to check when I have the emotional wherewithal to do so. Um, Also, I've unfollowed a lot of relatives, be they old or young or extended family or te'elami, but I've unfollowed a lot of relatives because let's face it, we all have toxic family members, and this doesn't matter if you're Palawan or from Pacifica. Everyone has toxic family members. If you don't, it's probably you. Um, I'm kidding. Some families are great, I guess. Um, so whether it's a horrible human being of an uncle who lives in Mermith, who thinks material accumulation is of greater value than being a person of substance, or a designer imposter auntie who preaches against sin and hellfire while sneaking funeral envelopes into their purse before they've been counted, or that one cousin who talks really big about being the voice of morality but can't stay faithful to his wife and has a whole terabyte 
of pirated porn on an, his external hard drive. Like, we get it, fam. You feel small, you feel insignificant, you feel insecure. You know, you got your thing and you're gonna run with it. Really, I get it. I named a whole ass media company and a podcast after myself. People want their legacies, they want to be remembered, they want to make an impact. And in and of itself, that's not a bad thing. We are all flawed, we're human, we're fallible. We have our own weird personal kinks and quirks, whatever. But it's also fair to say, and I mean the kinds of people who are listening to this podcast mainly, we're fairly self-aware people. Um, Even through all of our drama, our dysfunctions, our disorders, my people, the people I love, the people I respect, the people I associate and surround myself with, are people who are trying to do right by each other and survive in a world that keeps trying to hit the self-destruct button. We're not perfect and we're not altruistic, but my people, the people listening to this podcast, who know that age doesn't limit our ability to learn and grow and who get my own twisted take on the world, these are people who step up and speak out and deal with blowback and hate from our own communities. And these are some of the most compassionate, wise, generous, beautiful souls I have ever had the privilege of getting to know. And I pity every person who makes the decision to be on the wrong side of history by dismissing their ideas and their talents and their knowledge and just everything else they bring to the table. The point of my mental health check-in is this. The world is fucking nuts right now. So try to be compassionate to each other and to yourselves. I mean, yeah, there is a special kind of pleasure one derives from dragging idiots on Facebook from like 2012 all the way down to the town hall. But what I should be doing, what I need to be doing is taking my meds consistently and scheduling my next counseling appointment and drinking more water and reminding all of you amazing souls how much I appreciate you. And I make this offer every so often, but I have always genuinely meant it. I really do appreciate you for listening to this podcast and for putting up with my incredibly inconsistent publishing schedule and with my occasionally TMI story times. But if you ever feel like you're in crisis or you need to vent or you just need to untangle your thoughts out loud and you don't know where to go or you need someone who you feel like won't judge you for being a human being, then hit me up. I promise that I will always reply as soon as I can and I am really easy to find on social media. Um, That said, thank you again for tuning in to this episode of the Shenanigans Podcast because it wouldn't exist without you. And I haven't gotten to say this in a while, so please don't drink and drive. Don't drink and dial. Don't drink and text. Don't drink and tweet. Don't drink and do anything you might regret 
come morning because come morning you will regret it. Polynesia, Melanesia, this is our 